Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. How many are excited to be in the house of God today? Listen, friends, I am so pumped. I am so excited. And I have to say, if you'll, if you'll indulge me for a minute before I start to teach the Word of God, because it's so important that we hear the Word of God, but it's also, the Bible says, give honor where honor is due. And I just need to say, beyond the pride, uh, the godly pride that, that Michelle and I have and our church has in your pastors, pastors Gunter and Bethany and their kiddos, I am so proud with a godly kind of proud of you and what you are doing to minister to this city, to reach your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your, the lost ones in this city with the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus looks so good on you. And I just can't thank God enough for what you're doing to reach this city. You need to understand that we knew Gunter's Bethany uh, Gunter and Bethany Acreage before they became your pastors in this way, but they had a love for you before they knew you. Now let's stop and think about that for just a minute. They had so much of a love for you before they knew you that they decided to uproot their whole family, move to a place that they did not know. Come on change houses and go through whatever sacrifices were necessary and they would go through a lot and have gone through a lot and don't talk about it very much because it is a sacrifice of love when you step into the call of ministry. But they loved you before they knew you so much that they were willing to sacrifice. Friends, let me tell you something. You want to know how to grow this church? You want to see this city explode with revival? You do what they did, and you begin to love people before you truly know who they are. You said in your heart already, I'm going to love people before I fully know who they are. And when you do, when you love them with the love of Jesus Christ, you become the conduit of transformation where they'll never, ever be the same again. And so I want to say thank you uh, so very much for your faithfulness. And let me just tell you this. Michelle and I, we've had opportunity to listen to their teaching and, and, uh, and specifically, Gunter, uh, when you talked about prophecy, over this, let me tell you something, friends. You got a master's course in one of the most balanced approach of teaching of the Word of God on prophecy that I have ever heard. And listen, we've been in ministry for 28 years. I grew up as a pastor's kid, and I just need to tell you, you are a abundantly blessed congregation with the teaching that you receive from them. Can you take a moment and give it up for them? So thankful. I know he does not want me to do this. He doesn't want me to do this, but I got to do it because I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it, friends. I, I promise you, it's just powerful. Um, it's just awesome. And, and also, I have to say, my wife, Michelle, and I uh, here with our daughter, Cameron, and uh, this is really her last trip before she goes into college. This is our final child, okay? We got three, and uh, this is our final child getting them out of the house and in toward college, and uh, I have to say I'm so proud of her. Uh, but let me just quickly interject that the, the, the benefit and blessing of parents in ministry is kids get to see both the inside and outside of ministry. And I promise you, friends, the way you love Gunter and Bethany's kids, 
is profoundly more important and significant to them than the way you gift and love them. Because as parents, I can just tell you the reason my children love the Lord today is because of the way congregations like you treated our kids. So I wanna say thank you on behalf of them for how you treat their family. All right, are you ready for the word? Let's get into it. And if you don't mind indulging me for just a minute, this is the way I lead in our congregation. I have them repeat after me some things just to get us going. And what it does is it actually defines what you say you believe about this word, okay? So would you just repeat after me? Say, I am what God's word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. And I can become all that God's word said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look so good today, I promise you. Now you chose only one person, so look to the person you did not choose, your second choice, and let them know they look good too, okay? Just come on, compliment them. Give them a shout out. <laughs> now turn to Acts chapter two, if you would, Acts chapter two. And uh, you can open up your smartphone app if you got that on the Bible. You can uh, follow along as well there. Uh, but grab your copy of God's word, Acts chapter two. I'm gonna talk about how to act right. Now, before I get into this, I just wanna let you know there's two ways to say that. You could say, Y'all need to act right. You know, when somebody's acting wrong, when the kids are, you know, uh, fussing and being loud and obnoxious or whatever, y'all need to act right. Or you could teach someone in a loving way, say, hey, listen, I just want to show you how we're supposed to function as the body of Christ. Like, this is how we're supposed to act. So today, I want to talk to you about how to act right. And the best way to understand how to act is go to Acts, <laughs> right? That's truly the way, because that's what the New Testament church, they were, they were established in the structure and order of how to function in relationship with God and each other. Here it is, Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. I'm gonna read it quickly. They, they were continually devoted or devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together. Everybody say together. together. And had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, look at this, was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I think that would be a great legacy that we could leave in this church and in this city, that day by day, every day, not just every Sunday or every week, but day by day, the Lord is adding to our number those who are being saved. And if you believe that with me, can you shout amen? amen. 
Amen. Let's take a minute and pray over that word. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Now I pray that it would do what it said it would do and not return void, but pierce our hearts. Let our ears be open that we might hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you know people are looking for love and sometimes in all the wrong places? I just, I, could, I had to say it, okay? I had to say it. And how many of you have seen the signs that are out front of uh, some of the churches? I took a few snapshots of a few of those signs that are out in front of some churches around the country today. Let's put a few of those up there. Okay, you can't really see this one very well, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for you. Uh, it says, are you having trouble sleeping? We have sermons. Come and hear one. Okay, that's, that's, that's one of them. Go to the next one. All right, we're going to fly through these. Uh, if you don't know... Oh, thank you. I know what you're doing. You're changing out the words so that it's not a lower thirds overlay. Thank you. Here it is. I don't know why some people change churches. What difference does it make which church you stay home from? Okay, that's a rough one right there. Probably the, uh, the deacon board probably put that out. I don't know, because the pastor would never do something like that. Go, let's go to the next one. All right, honk if you love Jesus, text while driving if you want to meet him. I think that's informative. That's instructional. I appreciate that. Let's go to the next one. All right, tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. Isn't that punny? Uh, I just, I love that. Okay, <laughs> look, I love this one. If you think it's hot here at the beach day, <laughs> imagine hell. That's what it says. All right, go to the next one. I love this. This is definitely a Southern church. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It is hot where you're going. I mean, that's, all right, go to the next one. <laughs> Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. I mean, that's one way. And this must be Napoleon Dynamite's church. It's the flipping church of God. I, you know, Anyway, all right, was that? Oh, see, this is the one that I've seen most often, though. What is missing from CH dash dash CH? And the answer is? You are. You are. Okay, that's fine. That's enough of them. That's enough of them. How many of you know it's great to have signs out front to welcome people, to encourage people, to invite people? That's a great thing. Signs out front are great. And the paint on the outside of the building is great. And the interior can be decorated really nice. But how many understand it doesn't matter if the person walks in and isn't transformed by the power of the living God and met with the love of those who say they love Jesus? It's not what's outside that matters, it's what's going on on the inside that matters. And more to the point, how many understand that the Holy Spirit cannot reside where there's unity and back, disunity and backbiting or disobedience and misrepresentation of who God is, that willful disobedience to the word of God. So what we wanna do, if, if we want the Holy Spirit to grace our presence every week, is we need to make sure that we create an atmosphere where Holy Spirit is welcome. And then when he feels welcome, when we create that atmosphere, then others will naturally feel welcome. And this is what was happening in the New Testament church. They started with 120 believers in the upper room. You remember it happened on the day of Pentecost and uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and God gave them boldness to witness, to share their faith. And the apostle Peter, who was not known for always saying the right thing at the right time, right? 
That makes me feel like I'm in good company when I think about and read about the Apostle Peter because he wasn't perfect. He, he made some mistakes along the way, and yet the Bible said that when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was so profoundly moved to action that he preached one of the greatest first New Testament church sermons and the Bible says that 3,000 were saved. I want you to think about this, and were baptized. So they were dunking a lot of folks. 120 were baptizing 3,000. I want you to think about this. They went from, the church grew from about 120 to, to 3,120 in a day. I want you to imagine what would that be like in this church if that happened. Come on. And have faith for it, to believe for it. But let me help you understand. The 120, they barely knew how to be good, godly, New Testament church believers. And now 3,000 are added that have no clue how to be a Christian. How many think there might have been some issues in the church? Come on, it gets a little messy. And Jesus is okay with that. Because he's working some things out in all of us. But here's how they were able to manage that growth. Verse 42 said they were continually, continually, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching or the pastor's teaching, if you will. They were continually devoting themselves to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Think about that. They were devoted to these four things, apostles' teaching or the teaching of the word of God. Second was fellowship. They were building relationships with one another. How many understand? Nobody likes to be corrected if they have no relationship with you. You ever, ever, ever been corrected by somebody out in public? Like, I, I don't know, maybe some, you accidentally cut somebody off because you never do it on purpose. And all of a sudden, somebody like from the car behind that you just cut off, they like, they wanted to teach you something. They wanted to tell you something really significant that would teach you and train you how to do this thing better. So they held up their hand with one finger, letting you know that you are number one in their life. They just wanted to let you know. How many like that kind of correction where somebody you don't even know, right? They're gonna train you. But when somebody loves you, when somebody knows you, when somebody loves you, when somebody cares about you, when you know that you know that you know that they would give their, their very life for you and they begin to teach you about something that may seem a little uncomfortable or difficult in the moment, it, it's, it's okay. It's like, you know what? You've earned the right to speak into my life. And especially the way they do it. It's not just what they say, it's how they say it. And all of a sudden, it, it breathes life into you. And also, the Bible says they were breaking bread, which wasn't just eating, which is great. Southern church, love to eat, gotta do it, right? <laughs> gotta have it. If I hear, I, look, I might not hear a shout out or a amen this whole rest of the message, but, if, but I got a few shout out and amen when I said eat, okay? That is Southern church right there, Savannah style. I'm just saying, but it's more than just the eating of bread house to house, which is great. Going out to lunch with people, getting to know people is awesome. But it was more than that. They, they took time to celebrate the communion, which was the, the recognition of Jesus' body that was broken for us, his blood that was spilled for us. They were remembering Jesus. And as he, they were remembering him, guess what? He, Jesus, was re Membering them. He was putting them back together. Those things that were broken, he was putting them back together. And then finally, they didn't just pray, but they prayed together, which is why I think it's so important that you're jumping into this new series. 
It's good, uh, in prayer, it, it's so important. And look, I love prayer by myself in a closet or you know, in, in my quiet time, in my house, whatever. Devotional time, prayer time is so important for your daily life. However, they did more than just that. They begin to pray together. And the Bible says that when one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, meaning that you have exponential power when you are praying together in unity. When you're a unified, God commands a blessing. So they devoted themselves to these things, and here's what happened as, as a result of it. The Bible says, according to that scripture I just read, they had a sense of awe. And this wasn't just like watching a video, people are awesome, and they, somebody does a triple flip, and you go, oh, that is awesome. It's way more than that. They came in with a sense of reverence, like God's gonna move today. When I walk into this place, I just know I have an expectancy. My faith has risen to this level. I just know God's up to something. He's gonna do something awesome today. They had a sense of commonality, which is not cookie cutter Christianity. They had a commonality that even in the middle of their, their differences, they had the, a sense that no one's gonna be left out in this house. They had a sense of generosity. They were literally selling their own possessions to make sure that other people had something to eat. They weren't thinking about themselves. They were, they were others first. The next thing is they were unified and had togetherness. Again, this is, this is a, the distinction of the church, that they were together and unified. How many know you can be together and not unified? Look, all the marriages in the house said amen once or twice in your life, okay? You can be together and not unified. Matter of fact, you can be in the same room and miles apart emotionally or relationally. How many, you right? Isn't that true? All right. They also had a sense of gladness and sincerity of heart. You ever met a fake Christian? And I don't mean fake like they, they're not really a believer in Jesus Christ, but everything is just plastic. You know what I'm saying? You are, well, God bless you, brother. God bless you. How you doing? God bless you. Good. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. That's, that's all I say because I can't say that I'm really going through something. You know what I mean? And everything seems, and, and you start to tell them how you're doing, and they're like, yeah, God bless you. And right, and they walk, and you're like, oh, okay, they weren't really asking me. I, I get that now. I, I get it. There was a sincerity of heart where they're like, you know what? I, I really care about what you're going through. Tell me about it. Let's pray together. Let's talk together. Let's see how we can help. Let's keep going. They had a common praise to God. They took time together to corporately worship the King of Kings, which I know we have online church, and I thank God for those watching online. I praise God for each and every one that's connecting, and I pray that if you're in the area, you'll become a part of this church and come in and feel the love that I feel when I walked in this space. I pray you feel that too, and you can come in and worship God with us, but how many understand we learned from the pandemic at least one or two things, and the one thing we learned for sure is we can't do without common, a commonality in church, the connectedness, the building of relationship. We couldn't do without it. Even though we had great online stuff, it just wasn't the same. Even as good a worshiper as you are from home, it's just not the same when we have coffee and you're sitting in, uh, in your underwear watching. I'm just saying, different. <laughs> I'll keep moving from there. I don't even want to spend the time there. Let's keep going. 
And look at this, the Bible says the last thing that happened, they had favor with people, not just Christian people, but unbelieving people. They had favor, you wanna know why? Because they didn't just function in the gifts of the Spirit, they also had the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many know the gifts are nice, but fruit gives you favor with other people? Even secular people or lost people, they see something different. They're like, what, are, what is it about you? I like that. I want that in my life. So they had this thing called koinonia. It was fellowship. It was a sense of community. Listen, friends, this church is definitely two things. It's an organization. It is an organization to some degree. Why? Because I've seen these rows and they're all organized. There's paint on the walls and everything matches and everything looks nice and there's lights and there's air conditioning. Thank you, Jesus, there's air conditioning. I just wanted to say that. Right, there's children's programs and there's coffee at the coffee stations. There's organization. It took time to do that. But how many know there's something bigger about this church than just its organization, its ability to do things organized. There is such a thing called the organism of the church. That's you, the church isn't this building, friends, it's you. It's Jesus in you. It's the Holy Spirit that resides in you. You are the church. And not the, just the church, the dwelling, but the church, Jesus' bride, you're the church. And so when people see you, guess what? They see the church. So how do you build the healthy organism of the church? Holy Spirit is gonna give you three areas to work on. Are you ready to get, get, some, get some work done in you? Okay, three of you are, that's great. The rest of you, you can go home, we'll talk later. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing with you. How many of you ready to work on, get to work on three specific areas Holy Spirit's laying out for us today? Come on, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you, all right. Here it is, first one is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. We need to grow in sensitivity. Sensitivity training, that's right, thank you. Sensitivity both to the Holy Spirit and to others. That's why God gave us empathy and understanding and compassion. We need to learn sensitivity. How many hate when people are insensitive to us, right? It, you know what, my whole dating relationship, for three years I was dating my wife before we got married, and do you know that she was teaching me something she was actually teaching me fishing, and I didn't know, because I, I, I used to like fishing, and I learned a new way of fishing. Uh, here's how it went. I would say, hey, sweetie, what would you like to eat this afternoon? What restaurant would you like to go? Oh, she'd say, oh, it doesn't matter. You pick whatever you want, that'll be fine. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So I'd say, okay, yeah, well, let's go to, well, I'll just show up at Taco Bell. Let's, let's go to Taco Bell. Okay. You know what, sweetie, she'd say, I just, this is, by the way, before we were married. After we were married, it's a totally different conversation, but here's how I go. Um, you know what, sweetie, I just, I'm just not feeling tacos today. I just, um, I, I was just thinking maybe, you know, maybe a little something, something else. Oh, okay. Well, let's go over here. I start to go over there. You know what, baby? I just, I was thinking I really kind of liked this. You know what she was doing? She was teaching me to fish. She was teaching me to fish for the thoughts that are in her brain. She had a restaurant in mind all along and I was becoming a fisher. 
I was fishing for the thoughts that were in her brain that I could not figure out until I landed on it, and then she gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> I know. I get it. I feel the same way. But you know what she was really teaching me is sensitivity. I was in sensitivity training, and I didn't even know it. Yes, come on, somebody. I was learning this idea of sensitivity, and now I have a new level of sensitivity that I've got to learn. By the way, you never stop learning. All the men in the house, specifically, you need to say amen to that. You never stop. You're always a learner. Listen, now we're in a new season. Cameron's about to leave and go off to college. I'm going to be at home with my wife, and we are going to be somewhat empty nesters. And listen, my wife used to love to go to Target with my daughter shopping, and now guess what? I... I am going to be forced into this horrible, awful, no good, very bad Target. But you know what I did? I did sensitivity training because just a few days ago, I went with them to Target and I watched what they did. And I now know how to go to Target with my wife. You walk around aimlessly. You sip on Starbucks. You look at things that you say you're, you like, but you will not buy. And then you feel the material of some article of clothing. And then you go, you know what? I think somebody else I know has this pair of pants. Welcome to my world. It's sensitivity training. And how many understand restaurants and hotels pay millions of dollars a year to try to figure out how to make their customers feel welcome. Think about the difference between a hotel from a $30 hotel to a $130 and up dollar hotel room. They're pretty much the same square footage for the most part. It's basically a bed and a bath. I'm just saying that's all it is. Not just that, it's a bed and a bath. And, and a bed and a bath that hundreds of people have slept in. Just makes you want to go on vacation right now, just thinking about that. Thinking about, but how is it possible that one person can spend 30 bucks and another hotel over here can spend like $500? What's the difference if it's the same square footage? It's sensitivity training. That's the only difference. It's the Yelp reviews that keeps them going, right? That's the main difference. There may be different paintings on the wall, but it's basically a TV, a bed, and a bathroom. And I'm here to tell you, friends, there are a lot of churches in this city that claim the name of Jesus Christ. And we, every one of them that names the name of Jesus, listen, friends, if they call him Father and I and we call him Father, we are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. But the difference that's going to be made in the future of this church will be determined by sensitivity training. It's truly the Yelp review of the New Testament church that they were giving. They were loving. They were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to one another. You know, when you're coming to church, when you're driving in, and especially if you've got kids, it's hard to concentrate on what's coming. But I need to tell you something. When you're on your way here, you don't need to be thinking about, oh, well, I hope they pick the song that I like. I, I hope Pastor Gunter goes just as short or just as long as I prefer him to go, 
right? I, I hope that the kids, I hope the air conditioning's working. I, I, you know, I hope this, I hope that, I hope this, I hope, you wanna know what you should hope? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That literally, on your way here to the church, you need to be thinking, how can I be others focused and Holy Spirit focused? Because this is not about me. This is about him and about you. It's about them. Matter of fact, the New Testament church, when you see from Acts chapter two all the way up until about Acts chapter, uh, between seven and 14, there was a shift. They kept saying they and them. They kept using that, and you can see it. They did this, and they did that, and, and they were with them, and it just keeps theying and theming until they get literally to like chapter 14, and from that, that point on, it is we and us. We're all in this thing together. We're all in this together. I sound like high school musical. Anyway, I'm just saying I just realized that, and I need to move on. So how many of us are sensitive to the Holy Spirit? We're learning sensitivity to God, to others. The, listen, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, can be grieved. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, can be insulted and made to feel sorrow. This isn't just sadness. This is deep sorrow. The way we talk to others, the way we treat others can literally grieve the Holy Spirit where he just doesn't want to be here. Matter of fact, he wants to be here. God's spirit always wants to be here and the Holy Spirit resides in each one of us. But is he saying it the way you're saying it? If he's not, you shouldn't be saying it that way. Would he do it the way you're doing it? If he wouldn't do it the way you're doing it, then you should do it a different way. He's a comforter, but he can also be resisted. The key to building any relationship is sensitivity. First Peter chapter three, verse eight says, live in harmony with one another and be sympathetic. This is the how behind the what. Live in harmony, how do you do it? Be sympathetic. You're never gonna have harmony with your friends and your spouse and your coworkers and those you go to school with without sensitivity and sympathy. And people are looking for primarily two things. They're looking for, uh, because we all have this desperate need to feel loved. And the way we feel most loved is we feel heard, listened to and then understood. We need to be heard and understood. And so when you're heard, you feel like, hey, man, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I know what you're dealing with. And then you feel understood. Man, you're not crazy. I've been through that before. I know what you're talking about. People that all over this city that are feeling deep need of uh, fear and frustration and loss. And so many people post-pandemic are so filled with anxiety and depression and discouragement and hopelessness. And it is our job collectively to inject, if you will, this community with the antidote, which is hope, which is Jesus. Let's vaccinate this city with Jesus. How about that? That's tweetable right there. I'm just saying... How do you become more sensitive? James 1.19 says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow, everybody say slow. Come on, that's good advice for marriages right now. Those guys that are saying, I can watch the game and listen to my wife at the same time. No, you can't. <laughs> 
Moms in the house, if you're thinking you can update your, your Facebook status and listen to your child ask you a question at the same time, no, you can't, because your children are looking for a moment where you're so distracted that you're gonna give an answer that you wouldn't have normally given had you been paying attention. How many know what I'm saying? I'm preaching good, but that's, anyway. We often miss the details in the lives of people that we care about the most because we will not slow down. Listen, we treat the people we love the most the worst, because we're choosing not to pay attention in sensitivity. Insensitivity will never advance a relationship with God or others. It'll hinder it, but sensitivity is slowing down and listening even when it's not convenient. Friends, can I just tell you this? There are people in this city that are, come, that are gonna come into these doors and are probably even possibly here today that guess what, crazy as it sounds, have been hurt in church. And they're getting over some things and they need some help getting over those things. And they are not as trusting as you think they should be of you. But listen, it's because they were trusting once and they've been hurt before. They don't wanna get burned again. So you have to then go the second mile to walk with them in sensitivity. Hurt people, offended people, wounded people. How many of them are near you, beside you, around you, in your neighborhood? So we need sensitivity. Next, we need accommodation. We need to accommodate people. I'm gonna move quickly through this. We make room for people here. We've already talked about it. We make room for Holy Spirit and for others. How many know God likes variety? We're all different and he loves us the same. We gotta make room, accommodation for people. When we came on this trip, we went to Birmingham first and now we're here and both times we had to think in advance of accommodations. What does that mean? We were finding lodging, we were finding a room for ourselves, we were making a room. You need to, in advance, make room for other people's faults because it's bound to happen. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, be faithful, loving, and here it is, easy to get along with. Everybody say it, easy to get along with. <laughs> that's a good one for your refrigerator. I don't care about if you think, if you think you're easy to get along with. What does your spouse say? What does your kids say? What do your neighbors say? What do your coworkers say? Romans 12, 18 says, do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. And I like that he put that in as much as possible because you know what? He gives us a little bit of an out clause, like there are some that are unpleasable, but we gotta do our best to be the best that we can be for others. We gotta accommodate each other's personalities, right? In his kindness, he gave us all different gifts. It's amazing to me, we've got three kids, all of them completely different from each other. How is that possible? Same parents, same bloodline, same home environment, different people, that's God because he loves the brush strokes of uniqueness. And he painted you all different. So stop trying to make everybody like you. We already got one of you and God said, that's enough. <laughs> that's plenty. <laughs> we need somebody else. Second thing we gotta accommodate is each other's faults, right? I'm not, listen, I just want you to know, this church was perfect until I showed up and now it's just messed up because I'm not perfect. And there's a few of you in this room that aren't perfect too. So guess what? There's not a perfect human being in all the world, 
right? Jesus was the only way, the, the only one that lived this thing perfectly. So guess what? I'm gonna mess up. He's gonna mess up. You're gonna mess up. We're all, I feel like Oprah now. You're gonna mess up, Andy. You're gonna mess up, Andy. You're gonna mess up. We are imperfect humans practicing love on each other. <laughs> you gotta accommodate each other's faults. Has the Holy Spirit been patient with you? The Bible says with the same measure you forgive others, that's the measure he's gonna use to forgive you. It's kind of like you take out a teaspoon of forgiveness and just barely pour it on somebody and, they, and, and you go, I'll give you just this much of forgiveness. God says, oh, are you done with that teaspoon? Good, I need that because I'm gonna use that same teaspoon to dip it on you. Oh God, I'm gonna use a ladle on them. Let me get a ladle. Oh, are you done with that ladle? Cause I, I'm gonna use that ladle of forgiveness on you. God, give me a bucket, a barrel of forgiveness cause you've given me so much grace. How is it possible that the, the God of the universe could give me so much grace and I'm so not giving it away? How dare we miss the moments of grace with others when God's been so grace-filled with us? We gotta do this together, friends. We can't do it alone. I can't do it by myself. As a matter of fact, without being infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no way I can do it. The problem is we don't see people the way God does. You gotta put on your God goggles and see people the way God sees them because he sees them as imperfect too, but loved, valuable. We need sensitivity, we need accommodation, and finally we need to grow in our mission, in our mission, our assignment, our calling, our job. We exist not for ourselves, but with a purpose, with a cause. Can I just remind you, I think I might've told you this the last time I was here a couple years ago, but you would have forgotten it. Look at your fingertips. <laughs> the uniqueness of God taking the time. These are totally useless. There's no real reason for the fingertips. The grooves that are carved in, the fingerprints that are carved in, there's no real reason other than the fact that God said, I love you so much that I'm gonna take the time to carve in tiny grooves into each person's fingertips their uniqueness. I care about you so very much that like a sculptor, I'm gonna take the time to carve out grooves that, that make you different from any other person on planet earth that ever has lived or ever will live so that what you, listen, what you put your hands to would prosper for his glory. Nobody else in human history could do what you're supposed to do. And he gave you fingerprints to prove it. Philippians 2, verse 2 says, Be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What's that one purpose? To grow the mission of God. To love God, to love people, to encourage one another, to challenge and support one another. Acts 13 says it like this. David served God's purpose in his own generation. Are you serving God's purpose? Are you serving God's purpose? Quickly, I'm gonna do this and then I want, I'd like the worship team to come as we prepare to close out. I'm gonna just show these to you. This is what the Bible says we ought to look for. Clothe yourself with some stuff, as in put on some stuff, Colossians 3. 
You ready for this? Compassion. Have you put on compassion? I, I'm asking, did you put it on today? <laughs> With feeling, do you, do you care about others? Have you put on kindness? Have you clothed yourself with this yet? If you haven't, God says you're not functioning the way I taught you. Are you putting on kindness? Have you put on humility, others first? This is so important, friends. You gotta put this stuff on. You gotta clothe yourself. You, you gotta live a layered life. You gotta put it all on. Why? Because God knows your environment. He knows what you're about to tackle and walk into on your job tomorrow. We just gotta know, do you have this? Are you walking in gentleness? Are you living in gentleness? Not abrasive, but gentle. Do you have patience with others? Are you walking in patience? Or are you always in a hurry? Are you living in forbearance, which means you're bearing up with others. You care about what others are going through and you're walking through it with them. You care about what they're dealing with. Are you walking in forgiveness? Friends, this is so important. Jesus Christ forgave you. He looked out past time and eternity when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. You wanna know why he did that? because he said, put on love. Friends, this is what we've got to wear. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in this room, each one of us has an opportunity to put on love. But first, we must put on forgiveness. Now, God, I ask in this room, you would do what only you can do and transform people from the inside out. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, and you'd say, Mark, honestly, I've not been wearing those clothes like I need to to be biblically sound, but I know I need to. I need to be secure in that mission God's called me to. I need to make sure that I'm sensitive and accommodating to others and to the Holy Spirit. But right now, this is your opportunity to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He's tapping on shoulders and reminding you by his spirit, you need to be forgiven. And if that's you, I want you to simply slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer right now. Come on, all over this place. For some of you, it may be a first time decision to know Christ. The others, it may be a rededication to Christ. For some, it may be as a believer, you're just saying, I need to put on those clothes. <laughs> those spiritual clothes, put up your hand. Anybody else? That's you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. Just reach out toward the Lord right now. That's you. God bless you. I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person that's made a decision for you. And now I pray that you would partner with them to do the work of the kingdom, to change this city, the spiritual landscape of this region for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who are making a first-time decision for Christ, in your own mind, in your own heart, I just want you to say this, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and give me a fresh start. I believe in you, and I trust you with my life. Take away my sins. Wipe away the past. Make me clean, and from this day forward, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.